Hello there, and thanks so much for supporting the Music Career Show. My aim with this podcast is to help as many people as I can turn their passion for music into a career that can support them and their family by speaking to people who have actually done it and finding out how they've done it. With this in mind, I have developed my music career roadmap. This is a fully comprehensive and detailed step-by-step guide of how you can go from dreaming about your ideal career to actually implementing and living that dream. It is yours to download for free and can be found in the description of this episode. If you would like any support at any stage of your music career, you can reach out to me via email at barry at oneladmusic.com. I wish you all the best of luck and I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Music Career Show. Welcome to the Music Career Show, telling you the stories of the world's best professional musicians. Hello there and welcome to the Music Career Show. My name is Barry and every week I'll be speaking with incredible musicians from all over the world about how they've honed their craft and made a career out of doing what they love the most. If you're a new listener, then while you still have your device in your hand, please take a second to subscribe and tell your friends all about the Music Career Show. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to the One Lad Podcast. My guest today is one of the most accomplished jack-of-all-trades that I've ever seen. I really tried to top up all of the instruments that he plays, but I lost count um, after a good long while. And to top it all off, he even builds his own stuff out of just bits and pieces of things that he finds and tools. And and uh, and, and all of that just scratches the surface of what this guy uh, does get up to. He, From what I can see, he is a sound engineer, music examiner, writer, composer, arranger, YouTuber, one-man band, and I'm sure there is much, much, much more uh, to, be, to, to be found out about this, lad. So everybody, please say hello to Mr. Dan Baker. Dan, thanks a million for joining me this morning on the podcast. Ah, pleasure. Pleasure. Good, good stuff. So, um, Dan, let's, before we dive into all the, the absolute lunacy, uh, let's just take it right back to where did it all start? I always ask everybody, where did it all start? How did you get into music? The floor is yours, Dan. Yeah, uh, my dad played the violin when he was a kid uh, and uh, he uh, played a bit of piano as well. And then he asked me when I was six, what do you want to do? Do you want to play a musical instrument? And I was kind of not pushed to the violin, but I kind of knew that he played and I said, oh, I'll play the violin. And that was that. Um, and then I had tuition for years, um, all sort of classical training. Um, and then I had, um, singing lessons when I was about nine, uh, which turned into piano lessons. And then it, my sort of interest in guitars and bass and steel guitar and banjo and all of that, that kind of just sort of, um, all morphed from that really. So I've had tuition in, um, violin and piano, but everything else is self-taught just because, you know, once you, you know, once you play one or two instruments, you know, you can kind of work out kind of how it goes after that so that's been my sort of lifelong thing uh so it all stems from you know being a, a young child playing the violin really very good right i never knew that see i i followed you on youtube for years and i always would have assumed uh, that that guitar was your your first instrument and mm-hmm. that you just picked up violin as you went along so that actually makes an awful lot of uh an awful lot of sense i tried to learn how to play violin myself uh, a few years ago and my violin tutor told me that i play violin like a guitar which uh, is a, <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I I don't know how I do that, but uh, I, I I've been told that I, I I play everything like a guitar. So, but anyway, that's that's the, it's just one of those things. So yeah, so you started off learning uh, violin, 
when you were six and then that progressed to piano and did you like just follow the the sort of conventional grade syllabus or what was the crack like yeah well violin i did all i did all eight grades on the violin and got to grade seven on piano and then by the time that was i was doing my a levels and it kind of just you know i had to um just prioritize and just and just do my get my a levels out um, under my belt but um yeah i did grades on that and i did um a level music with um i did some bass guitar for that because i'm a bass player before a guitarist um i I started playing the bass when i was 14 uh basically i was a music scholar at a school a private school um so and that was kind of um and a director of music said to me he says look you, you don't want to do violin do you and I went not really and he said well you've got to earn your scholarship as you're out so um uh, I want you to learn the bass to play in the concert band and other things and I said I can't play the bass and he said well you got to learn then and he didn't Fair enough. me there was no um uh, budget for tuition so he said you got to learn yourself and it's the best thing that uh, he ever did for me. I still see him around. He's about 83, 4 now. Oh, nice. And um, I still see him around and still sort of have really good, decent sort of conversations with him and uh, and thank him, really, for what he kind of made me do. Because it was yeah. – he, 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 I mean, all these – you know, school teachers, we always think, oh, they don't know anything about kids. They don't know anything about it. But he knew exactly who I was and what I wanted to do. Um, and um, and that was kind of that, really. And then guitar followed from that because I played bass in the school band. There was no guitarist, but there was another guy learning the bass. So I gave him my bass and started learning some guitar instead. <laughs> so it was just all sort of necessity and, um, yeah. and it just became fun and and it's something that I've always wanted to do and will always do. Um, uh, it's I, I very rarely hear of people giving up, uh, professional musicians giving up. But I do know yeah. a guy who played a trumpet, and at age fifty-five, he just went. It, it went in his case, and he sold it. He said, "That's it, and that was done." It. Yeah, and he spent thousand fifty thousand hours perfecting his craft. Great, great trumpeter, and he just gave it up. Um, just, uh, that was it. What, what, what does he do now? Um, he just, he's, um, he's into, uh, sort of computers and, uh, web design and that sort of stuff. And I thought, well, it's still creative, but I just, the, I yeah. find it odd that he just down tools. There's, to there's just, there's no, there's no, there's no other feeling. It's, it's like, you can be as creative as you want, but like, <laughs> like if you, if you're an art, well, maybe I, I don't know. I'm not an artist, but if you're an artist, I can't imagine that a pencil is going to give you the same feedback as, uh, as a guitar or as a, a trumpet in this case or as a and anything do you know what i mean um it's that instant feedback of like you play a big power chord and you can literally feel it uh, if you yeah. get it right do you know what i mean so yeah it's 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 it's, it's a strange one so you sort of you, you, that that that's the maddest story i've ever heard that you were told you're gonna have to learn how to play a bass or else you're getting kicked out um yeah. i wish my school i wish my school was like that i would have done way better so how did you did, did you just like kind of phone home and be like here that i need a bass or how did that happen was there a bass knocking around there? yeah kind of a weird one because i i mean um if my memory serves me correctly there was a bass at school which was all right but i said oh, i'm you know i'm playing bass in the concert band and learning the ba and so at christmas my parents just bought me a bass what was it uh, and uh it was a honer b2a it was a headless uh one of those oh, steinberger yes and I loved it. I lo it got nicked, unfortunately. When I was oh. 17, 18, it got stolen, and I got something on yeah, the insurance. But I do wonder where that base is, because oh. it kind of 
you know got me started but they yeah are, so they're, they're, in an amp and then i was away and then just doing lots and lots of uh just doing you know lots and lots of ba- and because i was a reader uh doing uh, violin i got i played in things like pit bands um when i was kind of 16 17 started doing some gigs um sort of uh, the army camp up the road from me they needed a bass player so i started um gigging when i was you know that 15 16 um just doing all sorts of things really and um yeah. and i felt because i was a reader basically having learned piano it was yeah. i was kind of called quite a lot because it's quite an unusual thing still for a bass player to to turn up and read bass clef so um yeah. you know in that respect i've been very lucky uh you know with having those and uh, you know going back to that you know if you've got one musical skill already it will transfer to another and you just get better as a result but i mean i've got a flute that i i can get an octave out of it you know i i can't really play it but i like being at the bottom again um yeah i think it's really important because it means that you you get better at your other instruments because you're thinking in you're, you're thinking outside you know outside your sort of sphere of things and it's really yeah. important i think I, I I really agree with you. I'm yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. So my 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 first instrument is um is 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 guitar, and I'm self taught. And uh, I I I had when I when I when I always tell people I never had lessons. That's a lie. I had six lessons um because my dad refused to get me an electric guitar until I had had lessons. And I went to yeah. lessons. And I went to six lessons, and 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 that was it. I was like, right, I've had yeah. six lessons. Give me electric guitar now. But from that, I play mandolin i play banjo i play ukulele play bass uh harmonica and i i i can work my way my way around the piano albeit very very slowly but what you're saying there is absolutely spot on in that because i now know how to work my way around the piano i can actually transfer that back to guitar and it makes sight like sight reading if i ever have to sight read very very seldom in fact i've never had to sight read unless it was in a lesson or something like that but sight reading and actually understanding and comprehending the like the the pattern of a scale or the what notes will work well you know all this stuff and you're able to then kind of and sometimes i'll go over to the piano if i'm teaching someone something theory wise i'll go over and be like it's easier for me to show you on a piano because the piano is like literally linear it's laid out right in front of you as opposed to finding a c on one string here and then there's a c way up here on a completely different string that makes no sense but you can clearly see there's a c there's another c and there's all everyone in it so um yeah that's that that that's uh, that's an amazing point and i and i do uh, i really agree with you so uh you went on to bass and then you went on to guitar and then am i wrong in saying that when you finished up in school you went on and done electrical engineering something along those lines yeah i did electronic engineering and electroacoustic music so i was working with open reel tape machines making sort of sound effects and stuff like that it was um it's kind of the french sort of music concrete sort of thing so i did two things because it's keel university you have to do two subjects um and i kind of i kind of wanted to do that because electronics you know i fixed my own stuff i i work well after university i worked for emi as a technical engineer for two years in their studios in london including brief stints at abbey road olympic Uh, townhouse studio was my place really um, what did you fix there? I was I was working on uh, you know I'd, every morning I'd line up um, two um, Studer twenty four tracks um, two inch analog machines. So I'd yeah. do those yeah. two machines, go into the next studio, line those up, and then there'd be somebody else, one of my colleagues in another studio, 
um, doing things like lining up Dolby um, things for you know the half inch master recorder, fixing SSL desks, uh, DBX compressors, all that sort of stuff, wiring up patch bays. Um, and we we built we re- rebuilt Studio Two, which is the stone room where Phil Collins did that. Do 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 do. You know that 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 was the room he did that in. That's um, amazing. And uh, so, uh, yeah, that was my post. That was my only sort of employed job, really, was to a couple of years after university. So I'm glad I did my electronic engineering because it did set me up a bit. But I did the electroacoustic music because I just wanted to carry on with my um, uh, wanted to carry on with music in some way. Um, yeah. and I, I p- paid my way through university. I mean, this is early nineties when I went to uni. So, you know, I was still on, a, it was still student grants, free tuition, all of that. So, um, I just played in a blues rock band for three years with some mates just to make some money. Um, and then I, after, um, after that, after EMI, uh, for two years, I worked for UB40 for three months in their yeah. studio, in Birmingham. Um, and, Basically, we had to rebuild the entire facility, which was quite a tall order. Um, uh, and then that was, you know, that was quite a hard three months. Gave it all up and got my first uh, self-employed music job going around the world on a cruise liner. Um, oh, brilliant. Yeah, which is, and I recommend that to anybody. Anyone who's 21, uh, who's just left university or just left a job, your next holiday will be when you're 65. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. get on and do something like going around the world on a cruise. It was brilliant. Really good. Um, yeah. Great. I, I, I never did cruise ships, but when I was 19, same as you, I finished uh, college. I done sound engineering in Pulse Recording yeah. uh, College in Dublin. And I went to Slough, done two years in Slough, two seasons in Slough. As you say, the best, the, literally the best work and life experience any musician can ever get. Because yeah. you have to be good. You have to turn up. Like, if you haven't gotten to bed until 10 o'clock in the morning, you still have to be up, ready to go for your gig that night. You have to be, oh, yeah. it's amazing. Wait, what, what was the cruise liner? Where, like, I never I, I never knew that. You don't talk about that in your YouTube. You should. Ah, right, yes. Yeah, Um. it was, Um. yeah, maybe I should I should do that, actually. Yeah, it, was, go, um, yeah. it was a saga cruise. So it was all um, officially over 50s. And it was a world cruise. Uh, this was 1998, um, and um, but most people on the ship were over 75, I would say. Okay. Uh, and I've never seen a bunch of animals like them who wanted to party. <laughs> really? Yeah, I thought it was all going to be, you know, sort of playing waltzes and quick steps and stuff. And it kind of, yeah. it was initially where I was working for the, uh, the, this musical director who had this pad of stuff, and we very quickly worked out that that wasn't what they wanted. uh they wanted um uh you know just you know jazz and and blues and sort of soul music and stuff i mean this is people who lived through the second world war they didn't want to hear uh world war ii nonsense no and why would they they didn't want to relive that they just wanted to have a, a good time so we were on it for seven weeks and then we all got sacked when we got to sydney um and then they had to fly us all home uh, and pay us uh, six weeks severance pay. They could have at least dropped you home first, like before. Oh, sorry, yeah. Why? Why? why like, just the company went bust, or it just? No, I think the the trumpeter in our band. Um, I think he and the cruise director didn't get on, and I think there was a bit of fisty cuffs, and, and we all got our marching orders. 
uh, way, but, isn't it? But, yeah so uh we all came home um halfway so we got sacked as we saw sydney harbour bridge and, oh well uh, so where, where, where did you hit on that cruise then and where where was like the best place you hit the best place I've I've been to, and I will go there again. I mean, it's the, one of the most expensive places on earth to get to, and that's Bora Bora, uh, French Polynesia. And nice. I've never I've never cried leaving somewhere like I did then. We were on it for the whole day, and I walked around the Twin Peaks of Bora Bora because um, yeah. we all got off for the day, and it was just the most beautiful place I've ever seen. It was just amazing. And this, I, it's 25 years ago nearly, and yeah. it's still absolutely rock solid in my memory, and I am going to go back. It's, I think it's just to get there costs you five grand with airlines and stuff. Yeah. And then, but it's, it's something that I will do again. One day. Yeah, it's it's I I I we we went. Uh, I got married three years ago, and on honeymoon we went to uh, Singapore and Bali and Hong Kong. I Singapore is my Bora Bora. Um, yeah. I, I I literally came back from that end of the world thinking that we lived in like yeah. a third world country because they are just. Everything over there is better, over that end of the world. Now, I think Bora Bora is still as far away from Singapore as we are from Singapore. Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, it's just, oh, that end of the world is just, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, um, and I go there for free, well, just to play on a cruise liner, and I got to see it just yeah. through music. Well, there you go. If there's, any, if there's anybody in Bora Bora uh, looking for a one-man band for their pub for uh, this Saturday night, Dan is free. Excellent. <laughs> he's, yes. he's he's up for it. so yeah. uh, fantastic. So yeah, so you you went and done elec- uh, electronic engineering and electroacoustic. What yeah. what was the, what was the second subject? Apologies, electroacoustic, electroacoustic uh, music. So it was um, there was lots of so it wasn't music in the sort of conventional tonal sense. Mm-hmm. It was you know making um, uh, you know electronic sounds make uh, just mean something so you've got all these sort of sounds and layers and uh, and uh, which you know so it's very very it's hard to describe really okay. um but we you know at the time we had portable dat machines that we'd go out with um and uh, just for the music department and we'd go and uh, record uh, organic sounds you know uh, water flowing you know traffic uh things like foley um, sounds is that what they call that well sorry foley sounds or foley yeah foley sounds foley audio is that what it's called or am i making that up um not sure it's it's just um it's it was just collecting organic sounds organic sounds um, yeah. just with, a, with a stereo mic and then going into the studio and then recording what you've put onto a piece of tape and then you splice the tape and make a loop out of it uh, and you've got three tape machines, so you've got to tend to have two playback ones and a record. Um, and you mix it through a desk with loads of effects and that sort of thing. Uh, so just to, so you really are, you're kind of working, you're, you're mixing as you go and putting things together. And then when you've got all of your sections, you then splice them together to make your master tape. And that's your piece. Yeah, so like, I, uh, I I remember learning about that in sound engineering, and every yeah. word that came out of the lecturer's mouth, I was just thanking the, I was just thanking me lucky stars that I was born in 1992. 
And I, right. I never had to, I never had to experience that because whatever about copy and paste and uh, a snare track or something like that, literally yeah. cutting it up would, would 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 give you anxiety and give you the fear. Uh, but that that's amazing. Uh, just when you were saying about mixing as as you, as you went along, I remember being told what where I went to to college was apparently or Def Leppard recorded um, Hysteria back in 1987. And so we used to work in uh, in Studio One in Wimbledon. Lane. And um, they, were, they used to tell us about Mutt Lang literally EQing every syllable. And yeah. then I'm mixing it and committing it to tape as as he went along. So uh, yeah, just that just reminded me of that. So so then after um, after after you finished up on the cruise ship, what happened then? What did you get up to? Basically, I, I got home I got home and I, I'd sort of, I'd thrown in my job for UB40. I mean, this was the weird thing. I, I resigned from UB40 job. The next mm. day I got the phone call offering me the cruise. I mean, it was like this oh. sort of, literally I jumped ship from one oh, thing to another. But I then, I, I was only what, 22, 23 at the time. And I basically phoned my parents and said, I've thrown in my job, hate it. And they said, come back, come back and live at home while you find something else. And I went, fine um that would be great and so i uh after the cruise i spent a couple of years just living living at home trying to sort out my music career um and then i was lucky enough you know uh, to find a, a flat with my brother uh, that needed a lot of work doing to it so we got on the property ladder that way um but essentially i was just um i was just finding uh, day jobs while I was gigging. So I started doing a bit of teaching, but I, I did things like um, I was a grave digger's assistant for a bit. So, you know, I'd fill in the hole. You know, <laughs> that was my job. So, you know, I get 40 quid, fill in the hole, and it just mean, meant that I could just save a bit of money. Um, the cruise luckily paid me quite with well, the severance pay, allowed me to buy some recording equipment at the time I and mean, this was 1998 so it was pretty early sort of digital stuff um and i just literally just built up my gigs um i i did all sorts of stuff you know lots of solo gigs as well um few um bands we started getting into functions that sort of thing um and at the same time, uh, getting my originals band together, uh, which was a band called the Baker Brothers. And we did lots of touring of Japan, did some European gigs. Um, I mean, this is all years ago. We're, we're sort yeah. of mooting the idea of a 20-year reunion for the first album we made back in 2003. Oh. Um, and um, going to Japan again, which would be amazing. I'd love a, a second bite of the cherry, really. It'd be nice. I'd love to go. I'd love to go to Japan. Japan is like my all time, like top, top of my, top of my list. After going back to St. Paul, of course, Japan is, yeah, where I, I, I want to be. So what, what, where did you gig in Japan? Like, I, I, I like what well, it must've been like big halls because their music scene over in Japan is, well, I suppose it's not weird to them, but it seems very, very weird to us in that you don't have like, I every weekend I play in the Irish pubs here in Aberdeen and I've made a career out of playing in Irish pubs but that doesn't seem yeah. to be a thing in Japan that you just have like your Saturday night gig is that is that right or Japan is um it's amazing because the there is there are massive budgets for music and you can go into a small venue say I don't know 300 capacity for example, okay. yeah. If you take yeah. someone like the Jazz Cafe in London, it's three or four hundred, however many people you can get in there. Uh, every place, I mean, if you think of like what the Jazz Cafe in Camden, 
every Japanese venue is like that. So you've okay. got you've got a front of house engineer, you've got a monitor engineer, you've got a lighting manager, a stage manager, usually four stage hands, um, and uh, everything is just the, the, nothing is too much trouble. Uh, you can be in a town of twenty or thirty thousand people, and there are at least two or three venues that have that right. equipment. So they have a you know a a 24 channel live desk, for example, 24 XLRs on st- you know, stage, eight returns. You've got monitor wedges. Uh, they said, what amp do you want? And I said, oh, I'll have a Fender twin, please. Um, and then some of the venues, it was a JC120 instead of Roland, which I have. Yeah, yeah. I've got a JC120 because I just love that sort of Japanese transist, that chorusy sound. Um, yeah. And, you know, I went to one venue and they said, um, oh, there's your amp. Uh, and there was something wrong with it. And they apologized profusely. Uh, and a girl of probably 18, 19, who was one of the stagehands, she came and said, oh, I'm so sorry, and took the, the amp one-handed. This is a Fender Twin. Yeah, <laughs> and. Heavy walked to the store cupboard, opened these big double doors, and there are three more Fender Twins in there. So she just brought out another twin and put it in front of me, and it was perfect. So nothing is too much trouble. It's not like, oh, no, sorry, mate, that's all there is. It's it's just that the, the budgets, the, the, the grants, I'm guessing government grants are really, yeah. really but i mean the music scene in japan is incredible it's 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 everything we've got here if you go to london and you want to say you say oh, i want to go and see you know a latin band like a venezuelan but that's what it's like in japan you can just go out and see anything you want uh nice. jazz is huge rock is huge the fuji rock festival is huge massive uh metal there's a massive metal scene in japan um, you can go and see blues band. You can go and see Beatles tribute bands. You can see what you want. Um, it's Amazing. the most civilized place. If I was to say any other country that I'd live in, it's got to be Japan. Because Amazing. The- I see, I, yeah, my 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 um, whole um, perception, I suppose, of Japan was that um, you just people go and do karaoke for fun, and that's what you kind of get as as pub entertainment yeah. not wrong with karaoke but it's just it's 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 totally different yeah. to what 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 i would do or what, what what other musicians would do and it's not so i i didn't realize that you could actually still be a like professional musician in japan it's probably a very very ignorant view of of, of the whole thing but that was my, my my whole outlook on it well i think it's i mean it's it's a you know it's a it's a slog like it is anywhere uh to be a pro yeah. musician in, uh, in, in as in japan but uh uh, you know there are there are huge um you know the, the music scene in japan is vast um and there you know it's um there's masses going on uh and it doesn't have to be tokyo osaka kobe or hiroshima or anywhere like that you know i went to the southern city of kagoshima uh which is pretty much subtropical uh they've got a hot yeah. spring outside the airport where you can just sit and chill and put your legs in this hot spring just outside the airport um um, and you know going there there's you know in the far south of japan the main island of japan it's it's not poor but it's kind of you know it's rural there's not as much there but there's still you know venues where you've got decent sound systems and people come people come and um uh, when we did that the shows in japan it was kind of two shows we do it like a 5 30 or a 6 p.m show and then 
uh, a 9 p.m. So at 5.30, you'd have families coming in and they'd be, you know, a businessman with a Gucci, you know, you know, with a full-on suit with his briefcase. Yeah. And he'd sit something to eat just to take in a band on his way home or... And then later on, you get, you know, um, students, you get, you know, all sorts, but you get eight, all age groups turning up to a gig. You get older people in the 60s just just wanting to have a see what band, you know, just they pay their whatever, 20 quid to get in for a band and a drink, and then they buy food. Um, and you'd have kids and, you know, teenagers going in, you know, in groups to, to listen to a band. And, um and then you get this queue of people with albums that they bought of ours that want us to sign their records. Um, oh. And uh, and then the after party, you go to a, a, a really nice restaurant where you have your, um, I can't remember how you pronounce it, Okinomiyagi, Okinomiyagi, which is basically like you fry bits of like ox tongue and stuff over a stove and you have your sauces and your, then beers and it's just it's it's just party central it's 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 a wonderful place it is i'm definitely i'm definitely going to try and go to japan now that sounds unreal it's that it's sounds really absolutely nice. yeah and it does it does I mean, sound we, like a right civilized affair in fairness um yeah. as opposed to like what myself and the boys used to do in in america we used to get uh we used to, we used to tour irish pubs in america and there was one night that we, we they used to give us like a three beer you could have three beers on the house um, yeah. each. And there was one night they cut us off after like 12 each or something along those. They were like, oh, by the way, you've had um, 12 beers each. So we're going to have to charge you for the rest. And we were like, oh, grand, no bother. <laughs> we're 12 beers in at this stage. didn't care. But like, as opposed to going out for a, a nice sit down meal and say, that sounds, that sounds amazing. It sounds absolutely yeah. amazing. We were looked after. We, we were on a, um, a record label called Blues Interactions. Um, and it's like a, a division of Sony. Um, okay. So, you know, there was a, you know, budget for things like, you know, flying our instruments over. Uh, I mean, it, you know, when we did, a, when we did the tours, sometimes we come back with, you know, with money, but sometimes it would be, you know, everything was paid for. I mean, it's, it's the, the visa to play in Japan, the work visa is actually very expensive. Uh, okay. But all of that was found. We'd never had to pay our own costs. So we would be flown over, but then we'd go out and have lunch and we, you know, we pay for our lunch, you know? So the, I mean, it, yeah. you know, it sounds as if it was all the proper glam. Well, it, it was great. It was brilliant fun. Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a massive money spinner, but, um, but you know, only the other day I just looked at my bank balance and went where's that from and you i click on detail it says oh um p vine which is the, the record label it was the, the blues interactions and p vine were the two the sort of um i i can't remember the hierarchy of how it all worked but, yeah 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 you know, getting royalties off albums we sold 15 years ago no way um, amazing it's, it's great i mean it's not a huge amount of money but sometimes you, you think oh, there's a night out there that wasn't there yeah, exactly before. Um, yeah, and, and we, we, we never did it for, um, for anything, but just the, the, the fun and the artistic freedom that we had to produce our own music. Uh, and we had our own record labels as well. After we, uh, we did, um, a few albums and the later ones, we had our own record label. Uh, my brother's wife, um, she's, uh, well, she's, she's now very high up in a, she's very senior in a, 
construction company but uh her accountancy skills and that sort of thing she she managed to get us onto company's house you know without you know all of the massive expense so we were able to to have a a record label that made things a bit more tax efficient uh and um so we're all still shareholders in the in our own company so it it did make a massive difference to how we were able to run things um And I mean, we haven't, I I haven't been to Japan since 2011. Um, uh, And I did my, the last tour I went was my one man band. I did a one man band album. um, And that was for, that was on JVC um, in Japan, which was, uh, and it was, it was great. The guy that put us on in Japan, he sort of, um, he decided that he would help me do mine. Um, And, um, and uh, we call it the monophonic orchestra um and uh so i did a i did a, a tour of japan this was three months after the major earthquake uh the the um sendai uh earthquake um while i was there was a there was a, a an eight magnitude uh earthquake uh yeah. just sitting in this guy's condo in tokyo and the place was just started dancing up and down and after half a minute i thought i've had enough of this now and then it was about <laughs> seconds, quite a long aftershock, uh, but yeah. it was it was a great fun tour. They they were quite different after the earthquake. They um, the Japanese are they they're quite good at dealing. They they sort of hide um, their emotions a bit, but I think it, you know it really really you know that there was quite a lot to deal with for them after yeah. that earthquake. Um, and but I still had a great time, and they still looked after me and. Uh, I will go back one day. Hopefully we can get this 20 year reunion. We, we, we went on our first tour in 2004 after our 2003 album. So it will be next year when we, we uh, 20 years since we did our record. So yeah, yeah, I'd like it to happen. And I kind of don't mind financing a bit of it myself because I just want to do it again. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's a holiday for you, isn't it? Do you know, I mean? at, at, at the very, very end of it, it's like it's what? What do you call it? A busman's holiday or something like that? So even if it, if you if you end up making nothing, you break even. Sure, you've been in Japan for however long, yeah. having the crack with the lads, yeah. and ah, oh, that sounds amazing. Third, yeah, my 13 year old daughter. I've got two girls. Uh, my 13 year old, she is desperate to go. So um, if we do go on tour, if it's holiday school holidays, I'd like her to come with me, just so she can just yeah. experience it um Amazing. and um, yeah it, that would be that would be good i mean she can well i don't know i don't know maybe i'll take her separately so she can see the sites instead of seeing ah, exactly yeah albums and stuff i don't know but you know yeah it'd be a difficult for her to go on holiday with her dad and then be put to work every night selling cds and whatever else selling t-shirts and all that um, yeah. but yeah that's not that that's amazing that's absolutely amazing um japan is definitely uh on 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 my uh me to do list so in that case um yeah yeah i might even look into doing a tour myself myself and my band and see how we get on with that but that's amazing so um yeah, yeah brilliant so that, that was that, that was japan you went and toured and you done your um all your original stuff and then yeah. when when does the the one man band stuff come into because that was originally how i got how, how i found you i'm a one-man band myself um where i play drums at my feet while playing guitar and harmonica and stuff like that all at the yeah. one time and when i first started out doing that i i, I built my own I, I i now have a farmer foot drum if you've ever come across the farmer foot drums and it's sorry it's, it's amazing have you, have you ever come across farmer foot drums 
far for, oh yes yes i've yes, heard of so them I, yeah. yeah amazing yeah. absolutely the best money i've ever spent on anything um but before that i i i, I obviously it's it's quite an expensive bit of kit and it's one it's it's something that you kind of you really need to save and really need to be sure that you're going to use it so i built my i built my first foot drum kit out of a a drum brain and just kick pedals and i just mounted it all on a big pedal board and that was where i i, I first came across you on your youtube channel and your uh, videos and your youtube channel is uh youtube.com forward slash dan baker 74 for anybody that wants to go and check out what dan is doing um obviously that'll be linked in the description as well and we'll mention that again later on but um i really wanted to ask what i want to talk about where the one man band came into it Okay, basically, I got I bought an octave uh, like a um, an octave's worth of MIDI foot pedals, and this was mm-hmm. um, this was quite a few years ago because I wanted to learn to play Hammond organ but proper bass um, bass on the pedals, course, yeah. and I found it really yeah. hard. The pedal went on the shelf for a couple of years, and then two thousand and eight financial crisis. Suddenly, people weren't booking bands anymore; they were booking solo stuff, and I just thought what am I going to do with this? And I don't know what made me think of it, but I thought I, I can, I was just sat playing my, I've got a guitar with two bass strings on. I just took the E and the A strings off uh, and then put two bass strings on them. Uh, there's no, no yeah. other modification on the guitar at all. Uh, it's an old, it's a little Fender music master. It's the cheapest guitar that Fender made in the early seventies. And, yeah. um, and I had that, and then I just I was just tapping my foot on the floor, and I thought, "How oh, can okay? I've got I'm tapping my feet on the floor, and I for some reason saw my foot pedals, and I thought, okay, I can work work out something here. So I basically built a drum kit where I've got kick drum and hi hat cymbal together, snare drum and hi hat cymbal together, and then my left foot does offbeat hi hats, so you can regulate the volume, so you can get a proper eight beat hi hats. We get loud, soft, loud, soft, loud, soft, loud. Um, yeah. And I started building a kit up from there, and then I had kick and ride together, snare and ride together, offbeat ride, and then a tom in the middle, um, another bass drum, so I could go, you know, I could do a couple of bass drums, two snares, yeah, so I yeah. could go back, that sort of thing, crash cymbal right on the right hand side. Uh, and so I started with the guitar. Um, doing that and singing um and i started getting a few gigs on it um and at the time people were still you know getting married but they were they were budgeting so big wedding venues kind of saw a massive drop in bookings um and um this was locally i mean i don't know what it was like nationally but for me uh, the the whole band thing really did start to fall to pieces um and um so I, I just got um, I got a few solo gigs and I was able to charge you know a good fee for that. Yeah, and then I started doing a couple of pub gigs. The pubs were it, it, it takes quite a long time to set up because I've got a lot of gear. Um, I was using yeah. a laptop. Um, the, my 2007 laptop gave up about three months ago, uh, oh. so that was a good innings, 15 year old laptop, and it just one day just went nah. Uh, so I've well, got an old 15 um, years, 15 years out of a laptop. Like, do you know what I mean? You, that, yeah. that it, it owes you nothing. Yeah. That was an Apple MacBook, Um, one yeah. of the original black MacBooks. Um, so I, 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 I um, had to then rebuild it out of, um, uh, 
a sampler. I've got an emu sampler that I bought years ago and really never used it very much. And so that's got my drums and my, I've sampled my own Fender bass. I've got a precision with flat wounds on it. So I sampled every note five times for different volume levels. Um, uh-huh. and so, uh, and I filled the sampler's memory up. It's only 128 meg Ram. Uh, but I filled oh, wow. it. Right. I filled it with, um, and I've got enough. I've got drums and bass on that, and I've got a keyboard uh, with a Nord Electro, like for Rhodes, and that's what I get. So I've simplified the one man band a lot, and actually simplifying it has made a massive difference to how I interact with it. I'm not sort of so much button pressing anymore, I'm just playing. Um, so I okay. still do it. Um, I did a Ukraine, a Ukraine independence day, the 24th of August. I think it was, I did a one man band gig for them in the local village, um, and played their national anthem and that sort of thing. So it was, it's something that also lends itself to charity gigs because I don't have to ask anybody. I just say, I'll pitch up and do a gig for you. Um, and it just make, it makes it much easier to do, to do stuff where I'm just meeting other, other players. Um, and, um, and it's just uh, a, a really nice thing to be able to, to do, you know? Um, and, uh, so yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. it's also, um, I, I used to take it to uh, the schools to teach, just take a very basic version of it. And actually kids timing got better interaction. So I was playing drums and bass while they were playing piano or guitar. Um, and it made a, a big difference because they weren't just playing to a backing track. I could go with them and explain yeah. things like timing and that sort of thing. So it's, it's found a massive, uh, sort of load of things in, you know, in, in terms of, um, um, you know, in terms of, um, educational value as well um and so yeah it's it's just one of my things and i I get occasional gigs on it uh now but i do lots of bands i do about 10 bands function bands um and i'm you know i'm a lot i do a lot of depth work and that's come out of a lot of the one-man band stuff as well i meet other musicians at jam nights and um i run two jam nights of my own um where i've a pro band in but i'm thinking of starting another one with the one man band just like a um a sort of a bluesy one um just so i'm the the only musician uh the only sort of booked musician uh i yeah. mean we're back square one with pubs you know having electricity bills of 70 grand or whatever um, yeah. i have a feeling the one man band may come out to play once more yeah, yeah, definitely. I um, I I found that that the same. There was that when I'm I, I'm obviously I'm I'm from Ireland, and uh, when I moved over to Scotland, I had to start from square one. Now I was only twenty two when I moved. Just gone a week, actually, about two weeks after I turned twenty two, I moved to to Scotland. So it's not as if I'd built up any sort of. Uh, a huge sort of network at home in Ireland or wherever I was, but I built up enough of a reputation that I was able to sort of have steady enough regular gigs. And so, but then when I came over to Scotland to start completely from scratch and it was really when I started doing the one man band stuff, as you said, the function started coming in because it was something that people had never seen before really. And it was for lack of a better term, a full band with just one of us over just, yeah. just one of me. Do you know what I mean? So people, and as you say, you can charge a handy fee. That's really, really worth your while to do this. Um, 
and yeah. people are getting more value than they would have if they were just hiring someone singing along the tracks or singing with just an acoustic guitar, for example. You're getting way, way more value. Sure enough, yeah, it takes a bit of time to set up. Um, I reckon I've yeah. gotten my setup time down to, if I really, really, really wanted to, and I didn't need to take a PA system around, I could get the car unpacked and have everything ready to go in about 10, 15 minutes. 10 yeah. an absolute push 15 if if i if, if i was do you know what i mean but yeah mine's a 15 or a 20 minute setup just to make sure i've got midi channels set and all of that and it you know sometimes there's a oh what haven't i done and they you've forgotten to plug the midi cabling because you're dealing with everything else uh but you know it's, it's all right it's fine it takes it's not no time at all really um, no time at all. Just, and, and the end result is worth it yeah yeah i mean it's just Absolutely. having that that PA, the PA has to have that bass um, capability to make that one man band work. So when I'm playing the drums and bass, it's it, it's it's just not under strain, you know. Um, yeah, of course. So there is quite a lot of stuff to carry. Uh, yeah, there is. It is. But sure, look, you you, it's a vocation. Like it's a vocation. You, you, yeah. you have to be the type of person to do it. And as 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 we said, the the end result is worth it. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It means that you don't have to go and work in an office all day. You can go and play your one-man band and play as many instruments as you want at the same time. Speaking of, what's the <laughs> what's the old crack with uh, the shovel bass? I remember seeing yeah. a video on that and thinking that was absolutely genius. So your shovel, your, for anybody that doesn't understand, I obviously know what 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 you're on about. But explain explain yourself with the 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 shovel bass. Um. I wanted an upright bass. I used to play a little bit of upright bass, and but they're—I mean—they are huge things to store. They're mm -hmm. one of the quietest instruments there are, mm -hmm. and I've got no technique either with the right hand. I just got very tired very quickly. And somebody had put up a um, little video on Facebook of a guy playing slide guitar on a spade. So there were um, three strings, I think, and this guy was playing the blues on this shovel. And I went, oh, that's amazing. And I went, and I just had the idea of thinking, I want an upright bass. And so I just, I kind of, I just got straight in the van, went up to Travis Perkins and okay. found an all steel trenching shovel. Um, okay. And... Then I went next door and got a bit of uh, from the joiners, and I just got a bit of oak um, for my fingerboard, and just and and just um, and then a piece of plywood across the handle with the four tuners on it. And I, oh, yeah, I, of course. I went into it quite blind, um, and I did measure the um, the distance on the the my precision from where where the pickup was with relation to the bridge and the the nut and put my pickup yeah. in the same place. So I just attached this piece of wood to the shovel and then made a metal nut, got four tuners from the local music shop, just 25 pounds for the tuners. The shovel was about 30 quid. Um, and then I had to try and drill holes through the shovel. And I got a pillar drill and I reckon I, I, I went through three or four drill bits and I had safety glasses <laughs> on. One drill just went and flew past my shoulder trying to get through Lovely. a bit of two proper hardened steel um yeah. and it, i suppose it took me about 18 hours in total you know um over a few days uh making this thing and i just i just went 
I just did it as I went, really. Um, I made a little bridge out of a bit of threaded bar that was attached to the shovel. I've got a, a little metal, one of those little die-cast boxes. I had um, a, a Seymour Duncan Hot Rails that was on my strap, and I didn't really like it. It was just too much for me. Um, yeah. So I took the Hot Rails out, stuck it on the shelf, and and ended up using that just attached to the end of the neck. Um, and... Um, I thought this isn't going to work at all. This is just not going to work. I plugged it in and it worked. And then I started doing, uh, I did a show on it. I did um, a production of My Fair Lady at a school that I was teaching at at the time. And I did, I went to the band call and I took my Fender bass with me. Um, but it's not, a, it's not a Fender gig. It's not a bass, a guitar no, gig, really. No, I know. Right, bass thing. So I just put a jammed a sock right underneath the strings at the bridge and it had the sustain of a double bass and i just oh, really? I, without telling the director of music i went with this shovel and he started conducting and then he noticed what i was playing and he said to me afterwards he said had you brought that in before you played it i would have gone you're not playing that and then he said yeah you can play that as much as you like now <laughs> so it was kind of That's i got a really, i got a good endorsement from him on this base yeah. so after that i went up to the same branch of travis perkins with my shovel and showed it to the there was blokes queuing up for sand and you know and going Whoa, what's that then and i showed uh, the lady that i bought it the, the lady behind the counter and she was just in hysterical laughter and i said to her have you got any wheelbarrows <laughs> and she just laughed her head off because she knew what i was going to do with it and so I got yeah. it home. I've got an old, I had an old H and H, uh, VS bass amp, a hundred watt bass amp, you know, yeah. 1970s real tough thing. Yeah. So I sheet of, um, half inch ply and cut, yeah. cut it out. So it's over the barrow and then built the amp and the speaker into the barrow, uh, a few <laughs> bits of foam and towels and stuff in, in the barrows. Cause it was quite resonant. I drilled a load of holes through the base of the barrow. So the air of the speaker could escape. Um, yeah. and it, that worked as well. So, you know, I can, if I've got a gig on it and it's local, I just push my gear to the gig. <laughs> <laughs> So the wheels <laughs> I just go to the gig, just pushing. Just I just fix the bass onto the uh, the top with a bungee, uh, a few cables, oh, and then you know if I've got something else like a few mics or a box of leads, I just cable tie that to the bo the top of the barrow. Go to the gig, <sighs> and it's loud enough. It, it it actually does rattle quite a lot when you when you turn it up, but it's loud enough for a little bar gig. If you're doing uh, jazz gigs, it's great for because you just yeah. stand the barrow up. Um, and uh, I've put a little a pair of legs that will make the barrow stand at the right angle, and just yeah. do a jazz gig on it, and and it's great fun. I want to get, I want to do some music festivals, get some like-minded people who've built other things, and just do yeah. a band that's homemade instruments sort of thing. Um, that's and just amazing. you know, if I can get into a, a little festival for free, just with a tent, and just just do some gigs, you know, just have fun with it and maybe make a few quid on a, you know, I don't know, get some t-shirts made up or some CDs where we've just done a live gig or something. I don't know. Uh, is there anyone out there listening that wants to put together a festival or that is putting together a festival and wants to have a band of, uh, I don't know, what would, what would, what, suppose you could call yourselves like, I don't know, take your pick well, or something and, and the guitar player could have a, a guitar build out of a pick or something. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, somebody suggested that I should get a band together called Danny and the Tools. <laughs> Are they? <laughs> Very good, yeah. Very you good. Know, That'd be amazing. A mate of mine made me this cigar box um, guitar. It's like two strings, um, yeah. and it's, it's just for blues, you know. You know, that sort of thing with oh, a Lord. bit of central heating pipe. I mean, I'd get a blues band together doing that, and then somebody with a, oh, I don't know. It's got to be done. It's, there is, there's definitely scope. I mean, a drum there kit. There is. There's so many. What, what would you build a drum? Yeah. Yeah. There's, 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 lads, there, there's lads I've seen. There's one particular, I think they're like a Metallica covers band, but they play acoustic guitars, and all three of them are left-handed apart from the drummer. Sorry. At least two of them are left-handed. That, that's kind of what stands out about them. Apart from the fact that the drummer drums on like literal, like like industrial drums that you'd have stuff and yeah. bins and all sorts of crack. So uh, yeah, yeah that, that that has to be done. That has to be done. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. And have you got any like see see when 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 I watched those videos of you doing the shovel bass and the uh, the wheelbarrow amp, and I just thought that was amazing. And I really thought that you had put, like, so much thought and you'd, like, properly planned it out and you knew exactly. I was like, oh, I'm going to get this piece of oak because it's going to sound class, as opposed to, ah, there's a shovel. <laughs> I'd, I'll get a shovel and see what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I just I just had this silly idea, because I only teach one day a week, one and a bit days. So frequently during the day, I've got a lot of, um, I do have time where I tend to do things like library music or I make YouTube videos. So there's always something, or if I just one day, I just think, and I just had the idea and, and then just had the time to do it. And I got the thing home and started just building it. And there were a few things along the way where I thought, Oh no, I can't do that. I've got to do and it was just, it was just literally from beginning to end, it was just a botch job. Uh, well, look, it obviously works. How, how is it for like tuning and intonation and holds up well, does it? Well, um, tuning wise, it's, it's pretty good. It holds its tune uh, fine. Um, intonation, it's, that's not an issue because there's no frets um, because I've, I've made suppose, it. It's, yeah. It's, yeah um, so, um, I mean, the only, th- I was, I was trying to attach it in some way to the, handle of the shovel in su- in such a way that it wasn't physically attached but i couldn't work out how to do that so i had to okay. drill one hole uh which is actually all it needs because the, the the strings the tension of the thing actually does hold the uh the neck and so i drilled it through at what's equivalent yeah. of third fret um but i okay. d- didn't realize at the time but actually it ended up being the marker at third fret so i was able to judge where fifth and seventh were um, and then from there you can kind of get the octave and I've got used to it. I mean, um, I've done a few gigs with it, with a, with a covers band, you know, trying to play Sir Duke. Trying to play that on that. I had to learn that and I thought, Oh no, this gig, I've, it was a tiny little venue. There was no room for a bass guitar. I was stood next to the PA speaker like this and they went, Oh, Sir Duke, come in, Dan. And I went, oh, okay. And I got through it and it was, it was just, yeah, it was, it was, it was good fun. But yeah, trying to sort of guess your way up to a top G sharp, like equivalent 13th fret on the G on a bass. Yeah. I kind of went, I just looked at where the bridge was and, the, and then just went, right, that's halfway. 
and then kind of <laughs> that loop. Yeah. And the riff was better Fair the enough. second. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, that's uh, that that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Um, I know in your collection you do have some other um, what I've written down here as mental uh, instruments. Uh, yeah. I know you've got a uh, like a a violin trumpet thing. Ah, now that yes, that's um, that is an original. That's called a strovile, um, and it's Stro- about nineteen ten, roughly. Okay. Uh, they made them between 1900 and about end of the first world war really um right and uh it was an instrument designed to make it easier to record on to the the fledgling medium of the time so there was no electrical recording it was all just shellac wax cylinder and violin was not loud enough to record so some guy came up with that idea of combining a violin and a gramophone essentially um Jeez. and and yeah, it's utter genius. And he made all sorts of other stuff. There's cellos, double basses. He made, um, uh, yeah, violas as well, uh, guitars, mandolins, uh, banjos, all of which had horns on to make them louder. Really? So you just point the Amazing. horn, the recording horn, just to try and register something on this piece of wax or, you know, shellac or whatever. And that's the re- So I use that. It was a lady lives about three streets away from me. And she said, my dad used to play this violin in the 1930s. And I thought, oh, here we go. It's going to be a bit of driftwood. And she said, no, it's got this, it's got this horn on it. And I knew exactly what she meant because uh, I'd seen yeah. one other. And she said, would you like it? And I went, yes, please. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, she gave it to me, and I use it all the time, especially busking is good. I do hospital gigs. Um, during COVID, uh, you know, we were playing outside because we couldn't go on the wards. So I played this violin with a horn on it, which was loud enough in the courtyard so people could hear it. So it's I, it, it's Perfect. used all the time. I use it every day. I play it every day. Um, and um, and it, is, it's, it serves, it's, it's really, it's earning its keep. Um, not yeah. that it costs me anything in the first place, but it is, it is no, an instrument that every day, you know. Amazing. And have you got anything else along those lines, anything like kind of bizarre or out of the ordinary? Well, I, I made, um, one of the instruments that I did make was, um, um, I had a, I played in a band where I, it was kind of going alongside my one man band thing. So I had um, an instrument that has got a, it's a keyboard, um, one of those little M audio controllers, those MIDI controllers. So I put a pair of strap buckles on it and then strapped to that on a, on a a right angle Ikea shelf bracket um, is a, um, you know, those little Korg nano key uh, things where they've got, They've got the, the, the white keys and the black keys are all the same because they're like buttons. Um, yeah, 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 I've got you. Yeah, but they're touch sensitive. Um, so I I had yeah. the idea of making a bass guitar neck, making some touch frets out of this keyboard. <laughs> um, but I had to take the keyboard to pieces and draw the circuit diagram of the keyboard. So I, I drew where all the keys went to the main, the master bit where all the octave down and octave up thing is. Uh, And then I made out of the 25 keys, I made a 24 um, touch thing. So I had three strings as it were um, up to seventh fret. So I had open E, A and D strings of a bass and I had to work out how to put it together. And then I basically made um, a touch 
fret well, a touch sensitive fretboard so i could play bass and keyboards at the same time <laughs> while being able to stand up um and do a three-piece band so as a guitarist and a drummer we all sing and i was playing bass and keys um Amazing. and that was kind of that was just that was another kind of i just got the bit between my teeth and thought i can i can make something i tried to get a patent on the uh the touch fretboard but somebody had done it in the 1980s and it started costing me a lot of money to try and contest or try and put forward an yeah. idea and i the diagrams i'd drawn everything out and this idea um and I'd, i gave up on the patent idea because uh, it's very yeah. easy to, to go down a massive rabbit hole with that uh and spend lots imagine, of money yeah. and you know it, it is true that if you do you know if you end up with a court case you know it's always the person with the most money that wins uh regardless exactly. of the yeah. uh, so i just went that uh, and I, I, I've still yeah. got the thing. Um, it's a USB. Um, I, I've just got a USB output on it, so it, it'll hook up That's to Logic it. or anything like that. Um, but and you just uh, trigger your sounds from that, and you've got yeah, yeah. I mean, that went through my laptop, which has since died. But I mean, I, I might try and you know revitalize that to get that going somewhere. Um, but yeah, there's there's all sorts. Um, there's all sorts of things. That, um, to do you know i i I guess i'm um i'm trying to make uh sort of um a passive income stream really at the moment uh library music royalties um youtube just to you know because i i don't have a pension really um but i don't i don't plan on giving up um but it does you know i've I've done i do an 80s band uh, 80s sort of mm-hmm. tropical theme band which i absolutely love because i'm playing guitar in that i've been playing bass in bands for years and years and years play guitar mm-hmm. in this band the drummer's 20 years younger than me and the bass player's 10 years younger and it's made me realize that yeah i can still do it but it also makes me realize that somebody who's young enough to be my son is out there on the circuit doing bands with other people of his age and i've mm-hmm. got to be mindful of the fact that's you know, if you're in a nice club somewhere, I, you know, people would rather go out and hear a band or see a band that are young blokes. Um, so, you know, I'm 48 now. Uh, so the drummer is 28. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is, um, yeah, really good drummer, good singer. Uh, he's a good keyboard player. And I do have to realize and, and respect, I have to respect my youngers. Uh, and it's it's you know i'm there's all one can always be replaced uh you can be replaced at any time and it doesn't matter what how good you are or how versatile you are if you know if there's a somebody who looks the part um they're gonna get the gig over me because you know i've got gray sideburns i've got no hair um (laughs) And it's kind of, do you want to see, you know, a young musician who's, you know, looks cool and knows how to dress, yeah. for example. So I've had to learn these things and learn how to kind of keep my own. But, you know, I, I don't, I've never had, I've never been sort of passed over for a younger player, but it's going to happen. I, I could quite easily see it happening. Exactly. Um, well, look, hopefully and, it won't be for. Uh, hopefully it'll oh, never happen. But as you say, if it's if it's one of these inevitabilities of life, then 
uh, unfortunately, it probably is going to come for all of us. But sure, hopefully not for too long. But yeah, so like p- loads of different p- ways of, of, of creating passive income. You're saying to yourself, YouTube, library music. I know you do an awful lot of that. I know you also do an awful lot of um, recording and stuff like that for, for, for people and, and, and arranging. Um, what, yeah. what, what's the story with that? Yeah, recording. Oh, yes. Now, uh, recording. Um, I bought, uh, I did a, I played on um, the latest adaptation of Blythe Spirit. Um, it, so it was uh, Isla Fisher, uh, Amelia Fox, uh, Judy Dench. Um, and uh, it was a, the film last year. And it was a mate of mine who does a lot of film production and writing songs for films as well. And he phoned me up for the violin recording on it. Um, and um i i got the session to do that but he i'm i i do get a lot of phone calls for people saying i'd like some solo violin on this or strings because it really is the case that computer sounds you know you can spend quite a lot of money on a string plugin and yeah they're okay they're all right mm. um and they're great if you're doing uh, sort of string pads. You've got three or four harmony parts, for example. If you've got anything yeah. solo, that's it. You've had it. It still sounds plastic. Um, yeah. And so I, I work in local studios, but I also work in my own room here. Um, and I do a lot of online recording uh, where I, I do um, arrangements for people. And it's usually I, – I tend to do arrangements where I'm doing um, – I might play some chords on a keyboard strings first because that's the only trouble when you're doing online recording is there's no producer in the room and things can easily take quite a long time uh, to to sort. And then you're sort of thinking, well, you've put your fee in and somebody's saying, oh, I'm not sure about this. And I'm never never really sure how to word, how to sort of come to an agreement with somebody because they want real strings and therefore they want a bespoke thing on their mm. record I've, I've only come unstuck a couple of times but very often when i do a string arrangement for somebody they're really really happy with it um and i always give them a few options as well because once you set the mic up and set you you've got the track you've written out the parts it's easy to put a few different sounds like if you want it to be sort of louder or softer or tremolando or you know tremolo uh or, or whatever it is um yeah so, you know, that's the sort of thing that um, I get a lot of, um, you know, I've started to get a few uh, uh, sort of recommendations from the studio I work at. So I just come to a private arrangement with the, the recording artist. I meet them at the studio. We do half a day session. And and then, of course, you know, with that, I, I get a lot of, um, I, I, I fill out the PPL forms. You never know what you know what might get used you know usage yeah you know of of something ends up on a film dvd or whatever there's always something that's going to happen um you know there's all sorts of doors that can open and i'm always of that mindset um i've only had one or two things that have got used in amongst quite a few sessions but it doesn't put me off doing it uh because there's the fee at the same time Exactly. So, and as you say, one day you'll wake up, you'll check your bank balance, like, where the images yeah. is that from? And yeah. it's 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 a night out, as you say, that wasn't there before for something that didn't take an awful lot of work when you were doing next to nothing anyway. Yeah. So yeah, yeah no, that that's um that's absolutely amazing. Um right then, I uh I could I could literally talk to you all day long, but I know that you don't have all day and I know that I don't have all day and people are 
an hour and nearly 10 minutes into listening to us at this stage. So let's wrap it up there with a very, very quick, quick fire round of some stupid questions just because people want to know about actual Dan Baker outside of Dan Baker, the yeah. musician. So few questions, answer them as quickly as you can without giving it too much thought. And yeah. uh, we'll see how far we go. Right, Dan, what's your favorite film? Uh, Day of the Jackal. Um, um, Edward Fox um, I went to school with Amelia Fox uh, she was in my year and I always used to see Edward um, used to come and collect it. he was quite quite a, a you know normal bloke not sort of all this big film star he just used to wander along wander along the corridors and I saw the film years ago I used to have the Citroen DS I used to have one of those um, okay. and I liked the film for those cars I like the film for him. I just love the film. I think it's there's so much to be said for those for lots of older older films. I do like films from the mid seventies, um, but yeah, Day of the Jackal is something I can just sit and just enjoy time and time again. Excellent. I've never seen it myself, and I enjoy films, so I'm going to make a note of that. Day of the Jackal. Yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah, I've it's never actually seen it. Yeah. Day of the Jackal, fantastic. What is your favorite album? albums um i i pretty much um i mean talking book and inner visions uh both stevie wonder albums uh, 72 and 73 um those those two records the the the, the whole uh stevie wonder playing a lot of things on his own records is something that i you know i aspire to and i just the creativity the the sort of the processes that he must have gone through um not only that, but also managing to convince Motown that he could release a double album that was songs in the key of life and having that yeah. brass nerve to say, I can do this. Um, and the proofs in the pudding with those two albums. And I listen to them all the time. Fantastic. What is your favorite word? Favorite word. Uh. Um, Oh blimey! This, oh, is, this is this is one that this is one that I ask everybody because I think it's it says an awful lot about about people. Um, possibilities. Oh, there you go. There you go. That that, that literally, yeah, uh, perfect. I think that has summed up our entire conversation this morning. Um, tea or coffee? Tea. Good man. If you could have an unlimited amount of anything. What would it be? I would say okay. it would be an endless supply of uh, of musical equipment. Yeah, well, musical get musical equipment, really studio stuff. I just, I'd, I'd love a big studio where I could just create. It'd be amazing. I've only got a little studio, I mean, but it's small but formed. <laughs> small but formed is right. Yeah. What is there an item that is worth spending that little bit extra on? Clothing. Clothing. Yep. I couldn't yep. agree with you more. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And then finally, Dan, what would you be doing if you weren't a musician? Um, I think I'd probably be a, a cartographer. Um, when I was at school, um, for years, I wanted to work for Ordnance Survey. Um, oh. I just love maps. Is I've, I've got like water maps everywhere. I just love the, the, the artistry, um, the creativity and the, 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 you know, I think I'd probably be a cartographer. Amazing. 
I didn't. I have to say, I wasn't overly sure what a cartographer was when you said it there. But yeah, maps and stuff. That's very interesting. Okay, right. Dan, listen, let's uh, let's leave it there now. Uh, thank you very, very much for your time this morning. What is it that you want to promote? Where can people get in touch with you to um, to book you to book you for recordings, to book you for music, to book you for your um, your shovel band uh, festivals? Where can people get in touch with you? Well, f- I've got a Facebook page, Dan Baker hyphen musician. Um, yep. My Instagram is um, Daniel Baker musician. Um, the, my website, uh, www.danbaker-music.com has, a, a an email, uh, link there. Um, and I mean, YouTube as well, um, on that YouTube, um, people do contact me with a, you know, with an email address, um, uh, or, you know, just messaging me on Facebook. I mean, it's, it's so easy with mass multi, uh, mass sort of social media to get hold of me you know, in any way, any of those ways. Um, I have, um, uh, yeah, that, that's, I mean, YouTube is a good place. Um, Dan Baker musician on Facebook. Uh, you'll see a, um, photo of me there playing, smiling. Cause I, I always smile when I play. Cause I'm, well, it's the verb to play, isn't it? Play music. You play. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely okay fantastic so for anyone wanting to get in touch with Dan and get in contact with Dan we'll make sure that all of those are linked in the description thanks very much Dan let's leave it there that was the music career show thank you for listening don't forget to subscribe leave a review and tell your friends about the music career show